This podcast exists for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to Man vs. Market. This is episode 9 of the podcast where we go over everything you need to know about the last week in the stock market and the economy, as well as the coming week in the stock market and the economy. Just this last week, we reached our 1,000th download, and I could not be happier with how far we've come in such a short amount of time. This could not have happened without you guys, and I am so, so, so grateful for all of the support you guys have shown me. This support allows me to spend more time preparing each episode and allows me to bring the best possible content to you guys each and every week. This last week was pretty hit or miss for us. We nailed a couple of things right on the head, but there was a couple things that we definitely got wrong. And we will go over every single one of those things. But first, we need to talk about the stock market's performance for the first half of the year. Quarter two of 2022 has just finished up. And we are now halfway through the year. Today, we are going to be doing a recap of the first half, the second quarter, the month of June, and this last week, starting with the first half of 2022. The Dow Jones finished down 15.3%. The S&P 500 was down about 21%. And the NASDAQ is down almost 30 in the first half of the year. This was the worst first half for the S&P since 1970 and the worst first half for the more conservative Dow Jones since 1962. It seems like most of these losses came during quarter two, with the Dow Jones finishing down 11.2% in quarter two alone, while the S&P was down 16.4% in just quarter two, while the NASDAQ was down a whopping 22% in these three months. It gets even nuttier when we take a look at the month of June, with the Dow finishing down 6.7% in just this month, the S&P down 8.4%, and the NASDAQ down 8.7%. This was the worst June for stocks since 2008. Yes, the financial crisis. It seems like every week we are breaking new records for how bad the market can perform, and it is not looking fantastic for the long-term prospects. However, there are still a lot of reasons to be optimistic, and trust me, we will cover every single one of them. Now, if we just look at this last week, it's a little bit different, but we still saw a lot of red. The Dow finished down 1.3%, S&P finished down 2.2%, and the NASDAQ finished down 4.1%, making this week the 11th red week out of the last 13, which is the definition of a bear market if I've ever heard one. On the last episode of Man vs. Market, we talked about how I believed we were in for a micro-term pullback, followed by a quick move to the upside to potentially 400 on SPY. I said I think it would be likely that we could see a pullback back to 385, that first Fibonacci level, followed by a rally to hopefully 400. Now, we were correct about the macro-term pullback, and we did get that selling that I thought we would see early in the week. However, the selling was stronger than I thought it would have been, and we kept pulling back all the way to a low of 372, 35. This level is actually looking to hold as a level of support going forwards, so if the bears want to see some more downside, they are going to first have to look at breaking 372.35, while the bulls now have an uphill battle. They first have to reclaim that 385.43 level, 
the level that was initially beat down early in the week. They will then have to retest the upper limits of this longer term downtrend. We briefly touched those levels very early on Tuesday, but sold off quite quickly. This is actually the pattern that shapes out that hidden bearish divergence that we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes. Oddly enough, it looks like this longer term downtrend is going to precisely coincide with that 385 level, meaning that early in the week, the bulls are going to have to make a strong push at that 385 level if they want any chance at touching 400. If we can see the bulls break that 385, I do think we will see 400 before selling off. However, if we can't break that level, it is very likely that the bears will have control and push us back downwards to potentially new lows. It also must be said that the bulls have lost the short-term uptrend, meaning that the bears are now in control of virtually every single time frame, except maybe the micro-term in which the bulls had a really strong push near the end of the day on Friday. And this is one of the problems of trying to predict future moves in the stock market. It's very, very difficult to be accurate 100% of the time. So while we were right in our first thesis of a micro-term pullback, we were wrong on the short-term thesis of a bullish rally. So I will also make the disclaimer that technical analysis is not a science. It is more of an art, and it is very speculative, meaning that we are looking only at probabilities of the move taking place that we expect, and not the actual real outcomes. And so we must remember that probabilities don't always play out in our favor. And in this case, they only played out halfway. But regardless, this next week in the market is going to be defined by these two levels, 385.43 and 372.35. If the bulls can crack 385.43, I fully expect more upside and potentially a push to 400. If the bears are able to crack 372.35, I think it's very likely that we'll see new lows in the very near term. I will say the bears also now have the short-term sentiment, so it's probably more likely that we see a push down rather than a push up but it is still entirely possible that we do get that push to 400. I think it's pretty obvious by now, but it seems very likely that we are heading into a recession within the coming months, but it doesn't hurt to actually look and analyze why that might be. For the first time really since the beginning of the year, we are seeing recessionary signals in the big four asset markets, equities, bonds, commodities, and currencies. We are going to quickly analyze all four of them and determine what signals are being sent currently. First, the most obvious and probably the most important equities. And I think all of you are well aware of the pullback we've had there, as we've also talked about that in every single episode of this podcast thus far. Really, aside from energy, every single sector is deep red on the year. Now, we are down about 21% so far this year, and actually, historically, bear markets of this magnitude tend to have drawdowns of about 28% on average, meaning we could very well be near a bottom as it seems like a lot of the worst case scenarios are being priced into the market already, but it still looks like there is still at least some downside to come. But the crazy statistic is that since 1950, about 70% of bear markets coincided with recessions. If we move over to the bond market, we see yields are now moving lower and not higher. Typically, the bond market is seen as a very defensive place to have your money, 
and seeing even the bond market start to sell off is a pretty negative and bearish signal. Something else that seems like has not been talked about for a couple of months is the flattening yield curve. A few months back, everyone was talking about the flattening 10 and 2 year yield curve and how that was a recessionary signal. Well, now it is even flatter than it was then. It is now about 0.05% and is very close to even turning negative. Usually, we like to see about a month of inverted yields before we really start taking it seriously, but we have seen levels so close to zero for so long that it might qualify as an inverted yield curve and a recessionary signal. Also, it tends to be about a 6 to 18th month time between the flattening yield curve and the first signs of recession. However, it seems like we could very well already be in a recession. So this 10-year and 2-year yield curve difference should be something we are all watching very closely. If we take a look at commodities, we are seeing a sign of most things selling off. Gold and silver, again, which are historically very safe assets, have been pretty flat, while even crude oil has had a brief sell-off due to fears of decreasing demand as we head into a recession. And copper, which is typically the leading indicator for economic growth because of its uses in virtually every sector, has sold off dramatically. And last, the currency market. The dollar remains a safe haven. The DXY dollar-weighted index is now near a 10-year high at 105. And historically, times of high inflation have negatively impacted the dollar and decreased its purchasing power. However, if we look at the global market, the dollar has gained strength that is almost unprecedented. And as the Federal Reserve continues to tighten its monetary policy, thus increasing the cost of borrowing the dollar, it should be a fair assumption that we should see the dollar remain very strong over the coming months. But historically, a really strong dollar has also coincided with recessions for two main reasons. One, as the United States is seen as an asset safe haven, countries and investors from around the world tend to dump their money in foreign currencies and jump into the US dollar, thus almost triggering a recession in itself. Second, as the dollar gains strength, it becomes more expensive for other countries to start purchasing American goods due to the relative strength of the dollar. This negatively affects exports and can thus cause a United States recession. And there are actually some who do say we should have a fifth major asset class, and that could be cryptocurrency. However, I think we all know how that has done so far this year. And if anything, should just be another indicator of a potential recession. The thing is though, we do have to remember that a lot of these statistics change over time. If we're going back to just 1950, instead of covering the Great Depression, we see that the average bear market has dropped 34%. But every single bear market has been followed by a bull market, and every single bull market following a bear market has been significantly stronger than the bear market that preceded it. Again, every bear market since 1950 has averaged about a 34% decline while the average bull market following them has averaged a 167% gain. So while it might be tempting to continue to sell and short the market, we have to remember the long-term prospects for the stock market are always positive if you go far enough. So for those of you who are long-term investors, this is definitely the time to start accumulating some shares that look attractive over the long term. Edward Jones released three key principles to remember if you are a long-term investor, they said while bear markets are never comfortable, they do offer an opportunity for long-term investors. It helps them, one, 
ensure their portfolios are appropriately diversified, two, rebalance assets if necessary, and particularly after large market swings, and three, look to add quality investments at more favorable prices and valuations over time in both equities and bonds. And while I am not the biggest bond guy in the world, there are some opportunities in the bond market currently for sure. Let's take a look at some of the economic indicators and news of this past week. First, the Institute for Supply Management Manufacturing Gauge is down significantly more for the month of May than expected. One of these components that tracks manufacturing orders and employment is now below a level of 50. This is a level that says the economy is officially contracting rather than growing. The U.S. consumer confidence has now fallen to its lowest level in 16 months. This report is mostly driven by the private sector who is concerned largely with inflation. Moving overseas to our Euro friends, the Eurozone has seen an inflation rate this year of 8.6%, the highest level ever for the European zone, which was essentially created in 1999. Bitcoin is now back below 20,000. The world's largest cryptocurrency is down from more than 65,000 in November of 2021, and we are in a crypto winter. On Friday, we will get the monthly U.S. labor market update to show whether the market is strengthening, moderating, or weakening. In May, the economy generated 390,000 new jobs. While this may seem like a large number, it's much lower than the levels we've seen over the last couple of years. The unemployment rate is now at about 3.6%, a level that is synonymous with an overheating economy. If the labor market goes everything else will probably go with it. We are just a few weeks out from the quarter two GDP numbers being released. If we see a negative reading for the second quarter of 2022, we will technically be in a recession, at least according to some metrics, given that we had a negative quarter one and a potential negative quarter two, many economists will say we are in recession. Now, whether we really are in recession or not, it won't matter because the media, or at least I theorize that the media will eat up this narrative and ultimately push consumers into believing they are in a recession and probably pushing us ultimately into a recession. I think this narrative that is being pushed around that we are super likely to be in a recession is more likely to cause a recession than the actual overall macroeconomic conditions. So here is where I stand as of today. In the last couple of years, whenever we've seen a sell-off in markets or in the economy, we've seen essentially a V-shaped recovery, a quick sell-off followed by a quick rally. However, this time around, I don't think we're going to see that. I do think we're going to see a sharp recovery, but I think it could take a lot of time, something more like a U-shaped recovery. So I am pessimistic and I think recovery will be very slow. But I will say, I do think equities will have a better second half of 2022. And ultimately, I think we will end the year a little bit higher than where we are today. And this is due to my reasoning that I think we're going to have another quick sell-off as the media feeds into this recessionary narrative, while the markets are probably going to overprice in negative sentiment. If we look at markets now, it seems like most worst-case scenarios are already being priced into the market. And as we've seen historically, the bull markets that follow the bear markets have been much stronger. We also have to remember that when we are in the worst part of the recession, 
typically stock markets have already bottomed out and have begun their track back upwards as they look towards the recovery. So again, I am pessimistic and think recovery will be slow, but I think people are being more pessimistic than needs be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Man vs. Market. There are not going to be any new positions added to the portfolio today because I am already pretty leveraged in the positions I want to be in. If you are looking for a trade idea, go check out some of the past episodes, as every single play we've taken so far is still viable. I hope I was able to provide some information and knowledge today that you didn't have prior. If you learned anything today or took anything away, please share this podcast with your friends. And if you can, please leave a review to help me get this podcast out to more people and as many as I possibly can. All right, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.